The man who discovered the blood moons is here with us. This is not good. This is one bucket wow. of pancakes. The man of the toupee. He's on the front page of New York There's no respect for white European males anymore. Hey everyone, welcome to the Spin Doctrines Podcast, the podcast about propaganda and the people who peddle it. I'm Travis Reyes. I'm, I'm Teddy Van. I'm Amador Salazar. What's up? Not much. Talking. We were talking about raccoons before we got on here. <laughs> yeah, we, we learned something, uh, finally. <laughs> uh, it's a gaze of raccoons, if it's a whole group of them. That's what you call more than... If you're being attacked by, like, 50 of them, that's a gaze. (laughs) Raccoons... Are they, like, known to attack people? Raccoons seem like they're, like, fucked up little guys. I think they're just more scavenger than anything else. Like, you always see them by trash cans, like, eating food and shit. They're brutal. (laughs) (laughs) Anything that's cute is probably brutal. Yeah. We had this client at this vet clinic that I worked at, and uh, her cat got disemboweled by a raccoon, so they're (laughs) specifically assholes <laughs> not like <laughs> stomach so that's why when you said disemboweled I thought you meant like it ripped it's like where the bowel movements come from <laughs> yeah, like his little raccoon hand went in the cat's butthole and then ripped it out like a mortal combat fatality <laughs> like it's just like it's an animality if, if we're going by the books alright that bit's done <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> Good job. Um, so, yeah, this week was Kenny's week to do an episode, but uh, I've made an executive decision. We're not going to do that dumb bullshit. Instead, we're doing uh, part one of our 9,000 part oral history of uh, Hubie Halloween. <laughs> so we're doing it today. 
I don't know if you know this, but the script for Hubie Halloween was first written in 1936 <laughs> by uh, legendary author Scrat McGillicuddy, who wrote the classic <laughs> uh, anti-war book, Johnny's Rotten Bones. And uh, obviously it didn't get made because he was blacklisted um, for communism. And uh, mm-hmm. 1972, it was picked up by Paramount Pictures, who uh, it was going to be... Um, Al Pacino's uh, star-making role, but he passed it to The Godfather instead. And then Hubie Halloween sat on the shelf to the 80s, where they offered it to Jack Nicholson. Uh, but he turned it down to be the, the Joker, and then so on and so forth. We'll cover in the podcast. Each episode is going to be nine and a half hours long, like a Dan Carlin <laughs> podcast. And, uh, yeah, we're going to break down the sordid, uh, dirty history of Hubie Halloween. That's the podcast now. How do you guys feel about that? Good? <laughs> Was this your pitch on how to make our pod better? Yeah. Yeah, it's about Hubie Halloween now. It's evolving. <laughs> I, yeah. Hubie Halloween, though, fun fact, it is like a Marxist critique of uh, imperialism. And that's why Hollywood was like, no, forever. Because like, it's going to cause the Vietnam War to end this movie. <laughs> Wait, I thought it was written in the. It was rewritten because they had to cut out all like the gay sex. the The original writer was also like, he was like a like a Allen Ginsberg type guy, and he just wrote like graphic long scenes of Hubie like butt fucking a skeleton or something, and they had to cut all that out <laughs> because like in the seventies. It was like, you know, 60s, 70s, it was more acceptable. You still couldn't put that on film. So this guy rewrote it, and it was a, it was against the Vietnam War. And then, um, yeah. And then the government was like, you can't put this out. It will cause peace across <laughs> oh the God, world. Much. And so they killed the screenwriter in his house. And So when it was written originally in the 30s. Yeah. It was essentially just, like, hardcore porn, and then it got rewritten. It was hardcore porn, but it had that, like, Steamboat Mickey music over it the whole time. And, yeah, and it was like a Charlie Chap- Chaplin, like, pantomime, because they didn't have sound back then. And then what the made si- them... What, why'd they revisit it, like, 40 years later in the Oh, because they found it, and they were like, this is a brilliant script, but, like... Maybe change some stuff, and so they change it to like you know an anti-war movie. And in the eighties, it was like a weird, like decadent, like cocaine movie. It was like a Wall Street. It was like Scarface kind of. He's just doing like lines of blow, off like a tiger, and they added the gay sex back into it. Uh, it, it still didn't make it to to the film. Well, Sylvester Nothing? Stallone was um, attached to star and direct, but uh. He uh, dropped out to make the make a musical with Dolly Parton. He was like, I'd rather do this than the gay sex Halloween cocaine movie. And they were like, shit. And then in the 90s, it was pitched again, but this time Hubie was a porn star with the giant dick who was just getting into porn. And uh, it's about his life falling apart. It had an all-star cast, and then Paul Thomas Anderson was like, I wrote this movie. It's called Boogie Nights, which was just the Hubie script. With the name X'd out oh, and Boogie Nights written on top of it. And he's like, I'll produce it for way less. And so he was like, you son of a bitch. And then 
you know, QB had to go back on the shelf. And then well, the 2000s just as, as no, the, they they event. cut out like all yeah. the they cut out all like the heart and soul of it. Wait, so so this recent release is not the real Hubie Halloween. This is right. What the That's why it's going to take nine thousand parts to get to it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. In yeah. two thousand, they tried to release it as uh, the Scorpion King, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> but he was like, I'd rather, <laughs> I would much rather this movie be about an actual. Like a man who was a scorpion king, and they were like, "All right, fuck it." And so they just made they just essentially the scorpion. Well, the scorpion king you see on the screen is completely riffed by Dwayne Johnson. Hold on, he threw out the script. Okay, so here's what happened at this time was about a character who just evidently was named the scorpion king. (laughs) Yeah, and Dwayne Johnson's like, I like everything about this. Except the script and the story. I like the name, The Scorpion King. And like, cool, write us a script. And Dwayne's like, no, I don't want to do that. Just give me $100 million. And that whole movie is riffed by The Rock. I mean, that's that's beautiful. They just like turn the camera on and he's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to punch this guy. And he, like, all the punches are real. No one knows they're coming. They're none, none of the fights are choreographed. So like if someone gets shot with a flaming arrow, the rock is like really killing them. Good. The movie made and here's the thing, since it was originally Hubie Halloween, the reason they couldn't make Hubie Halloween is because when all the families sued the Scorpion King for uh, you know the death of their family members on the set of the Scorpion King, Dwayne Johnson and Co. were like, whoa, hey. That was Hubie Halloween we were filming. The movie that came out is a different thing. And they were like, shit. And so they it worked somehow in court? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somehow that... They did die just on the movie that you <laughs> The judge was Judge Joe Brown, so that's probably why it did it. Oh, he's... Yeah, he's... It parking, was a... Yeah, he was... King. But yeah. He has a big tattoo of the rock on his back. <laughs> so it's kind of like, yeah. In retrospect, it's a pretty biased judge. And, uh, yeah. And then the Hubie Halloween you see now is just like, they're like, we're finally ready to make this movie, but also, let's completely change it. And then Adam Sandler's like, no, it stays exactly the same. So the version you're saying is the 30s version. But then Netflix just used all the B-roll. The actual movie will come out. 2025 on HBO Supermax. And it's just Adam Sandler and Keenan Thompson butt-fucking for three and a half hours. <laughs> just an extreme close-up. No music. No Will cuts. they ever do a re-release of the Hubie Halloween version where it's the Scorpion King? <laughs> Maybe if The Rock gets your shit together. <laughs> I mean, you can't... You can't you the Scorpion King. <laughs> You you can't tie down that kind of talent. Like you can't have a script around Dwayne. Literally, none of his movies have been written. Dwayne Johnson, he just gets on set. And he goes like, "All right, we're doing this," and they're just like, "What the fuck?" And he goes, he starts driving cars really fast, and they're like, "I thought we were making Manchester by the Sea." I don't know why. I all right, I guess it's Hobbs and Shaw now. Every movie he gets casted is like an Oscar bait, like some type of Schindler's List type movie. Because Hollywood's like, 
Twain, you're a really good actor. Like, we want you to win awards. Here, be in this Holocaust movie. And he goes, no, I'm the full Scorpion King now. And they're like, all right. Okay, Dwayne. And then they... Why, why can't they just get rid of him once he's ruined, <laughs> ruined their project? Because they yeah, make money. The <laughs> they uh, fucked like, up by yeah. putting out the first three, and they all made money, and so they're like, shit. And now they're just stuck with him, like, riffing the movie Rampage. It's weird, because on set, that was supposed to be a movie about 9-11. That's why all the buildings are falling now. So they... Sp- and they're like, okay, we're going to CG in the towers falling. So just, like, act like you're sad. Because your daughter in the movie dies in 9-11. And it's like a drama about him coming to terms with the loss of his daughter. They're like, so just pretend you're visiting your daughter on her first day of work. In the Twin Towers on September 11th. And you're bringing her flowers. And you're proud of your daughter. And look up at those buildings and pretend they're collapsing. And go, no, my beloved daughter, who I raised alone because the mother died of cancer when she was two. That's also part of the movie. And they're like, do you understand that, Dwayne? He was like, yeah. Yep, I got it. <laughs> and they're like, okay, you're not going to do anything fucking crazy, right? And he was like, no, I, I got it. I'm going to be sad. That my daughter died in 9-11. I got it. And he looked up to where the green screen was and he was like, Holy shit, it's a fucking rampage! Look, there's a giant monkey and an alligator and a dragon man! And they were like, Shit, well, we'd redo that, but we ran out of film. And so they had to add all the rampage stuff in. <laughs> Wait, <no. laughs> That's also the part of the rocks thing. He... They ran out of film, but they were like, Oh, we could easily... Edit monsters. <laughs> no, it's a green screen. They st- they they can't shoot new footage. They can edit the footage they have, dummy. But Dwayne Johnson, whenever he gets on set, he takes the film roll and he cuts all of it, but a little bit, and then he hides hides it somewhere on set. So that way, once he changes the part of the movie, it's like shit. We're out of film. I guess can't redo this. And he's like, "Wait, the Rock is Hubie Halloween." Yeah. A.K.A. the Scorpion oh. King. <laughs> you know the movie Spartacus? Yeah. Yeah, the the guy who wrote that uh, stole the idea uh, from <laughs> Hubie Halloween. That's why he's the Scorpion King in this one. Hubie Halloween's like Lawrence of Arabia. It's like 10 hours long and it spans hundreds of years. It's mm. a big epic movie and then they just... Yeah. The movie Gladiator is Act 3 of Hubie Halloween. Uh, the Revenant <laughs> is part of Hubie Halloween. All of Mad Men is like Hubie Halloween. Um, the Sopranos is Hubie Halloween. No. No, it ain't. Yeah, it is. No. <laughs> That's what you're drawing? You're like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. All right. Um, that, was, that was a riff. You guys let me go on for a long time. I was waiting for one of you to stop me, but you just kept uh, letting me riff. Riff and Reyes. The ones and twos. <laughs> hey, of these right-wing, like, assholes, which one of them do you think is, like, most likely to be in, like, an improv group before we get going with the episode? Like, just on a Herald team. Hmm. 
Like what right wingers? Um, it can be any of them. It could be Kimberly Guilfoyle. It could be Tucker Carlson. I don't. I think Tucker would be bad because all of his scenes, they'd be like, "Oh, I love being in the pizza shop," and Tucker would be like, "Bang! I murdered your dog." And then he'd be like, "What the fuck?" And he'd just be like, "It's funny. It's comedy. That's what comedy is." What? I don't think Tucker would be good at improv. I think Dave Rubin would be too good at improv. Mm. Alex Jones would be good at improv. I was just yeah, that's the Riff King right there. I would go to a Second City show if it was like I don't know, Bobby Moynihan and <laughs> Alex <laughs> Jones doing like they're like a long form scene together. <laughs> It'd be great if it, like Bobby Moynihan was just like his doppelganger. What are so those? It's like two Alex Jones just yelling. What are those like weird like improv shows where they just act out a whole play? But it's just like Bill Murray and all the Second City All Stars, and then it's like that's me, Alex Jones, and he just ruins every scene. <laughs> I had an idea for a play, and I like have parts of it written that I've wanted to make for a long time about uh, Alex Jones and Noam Chomsky like having dinner after they did that Infowars interview, and it's just like a my dinner to Andre, but it's just like Noam Chomsky. And Alex Jones at like Lucy's Fried Chicken. It's pretty good, right? No I, I look, I'm looking forward to that. That sounds incredible. The only problem is when I write it, like I've read it enough like Chomsky, I can be like, I could just steal bits from him. But for Alex, <laughs> I'm just, it's just him like going, I'm a stupid idiot, piece of shit. <laughs> like I can't write because I hate him so much. So uh, I might just make him like speak like one of the teachers in the Peanuts. <laughs> right just like that's the whole play it's just like paragraphs and paragraphs from Chomsky books he's like what do you feel how do you feel about that Alex and then it's asking bah, 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 and the play is eight hours long coming soon <laughs> that's a threat <laughs> Yeah, so Alex, it's agreed. Alex Jones would be the best at improv. That yeah, that would be my my number one choice. Glenn Beck might be good because of all those lies he told. He just improv this whole childhood. Well, they're they're similar in style, so. Well, maybe who we're that talking about today would be good at improv. Kenny, what do we got? <laughs> that was a good transition. Oh, you're laughing. A solid transition into the episode. So this week we are talking about Neera Tandon and the Center for American Progress. Mm. Nice. Oh, those sound good. <laughs> are um, <they>? Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you something, Kenny. Do you like progress? Yes. Would you like a building dedicated to progress? progress. A center, even. Yeah. We don't know if it's a whole building, to be fair. It's a center. It could be, like, a little plaza inside of, like, Quick and Loans Arena in Cleveland. <laughs> yes, I like it. I like it. Okay. So what's your fucking problem? Why are you picking on this lady? Um. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's coming hot off the fucking heels of your Hoobie Halloween goddamn 40 minutes. <laughs> it was like another fucking 20 minutes of I'm going to make Alex Jones a, pe- a peanuts teacher. That was only like 10 minutes. <laughs> so answer so, the question. What's your fucking problem with this goddamn lady? I don't like her. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So, what do you guys know about Nero Tandon and the Center for American Progress? Um, Anything? I know that she is a Clinton lackey. uh, And she very much loves to defend uh, loser Democrats who lose elections. She doesn't like Bernie. No, she doesn't. No, that's who I know where from. Is getting like, is getting told to die on Twitter. That's literally where I know her from. It's just like people like quote tweeting her and being like, "Go to hell, bitch," because she said some fucked up thing about Bernie. Yeah, I wanted to do an episode about her because when she's kind of like the other side of the spectrum, uh, she's like a democratic political consultant and high power person. Uh, that makes her a lot more boring than Alex Jones because she's not like, or like people we've covered in the past because she's not like screaming about how like her vagina is filled with worms or something like that. I'm sorry, you have to say his full title: Improv Champion Alex Jones. <laughs> sorry, Improv Champion 2009. To 2010. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So she was interesting, and in that. Um, I'll just start. She was born in 1970 in Bedford, Massachusetts. Her parents were uh, Indian immigrants to the United States, and they divorced when she was five years old. And um, her mother, she grew up kind of poor. Her mother was on food stamps and and stuff like that for two years. So not like your typical, um, usually when I Google search like these political consultants, it's like, oh, their dad was a political consultant or a lawyer and and their dad was something. So she was different in that way. I also, um, she was quoted as saying that she benefited a lot from government programs while she was growing up and her Indian parents instilled with her a, um, a sense that if I could go as far uh, as my hard work would take me, since I realized at a very early stage that I didn't belong to a family with many connections I worked hard to attain the success that I had, um, which I thought her uh, upbringing was important to bring up because it's like, whereas a lot of the people that we've covered have like continuously just been top 40 <laughs> radio DJs that failed for This was somebody that actually like, I think had to put in the work was poor, uh, benefited from government programs. And then as we'll cover later in this, like has dedicated her career to undermining the same shit. That seems to be like a weird thing with libs though, where like so many of them have like a backstory that's like, you know, I struggled or, you know, I had this tragedy happen in my life or I grew up in poverty or something. And then they turn around and are like, that being said, like, welfare is bad. 
Like, what was that clip you sent me, Amador, of Kamala Harris talking about, like, when she was a kid? Uh, something about schools, where they were, like, protesting schools. Oh, yeah, there's a an infamous clip of her going, like, yeah, and, you know, people go into the streets and they're like, build more schools, less jails. Build more schools, less jails. And then she, like, has, like, a weird, like, robot glitch, and then she's like, what... What these people aren't explaining is like, why do I have four locks on my fucking door? Like, why do I? Why am I afraid to sleep in my house? Yeah, like essentially going like schools won't help. We need prisons. Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy because her whole backstory is like, yeah, I'm from like Oakland and I grew up in this and that, and then they all turn around and they're like, surprise! I'm helping Uber destroy houses to turn them into cars. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just some, but the right wing people are just like yeah my dad got me a job at the radio so what you shouldn't fucking have health insurance that's what people hate the right because they don't even have like the foresight to go like except Glenn Beck everyone no, else is just yeah everyone else is just kind of like like Alex Jones improv champion Alex Jones is just like open <laughs> about like yeah my dad's a super rich dentist he like bought me a studio when I was like twenty, he's also he's also said that like his dad would tell him weird secrets about how like there's like a fucking nuclear reactor underneath UT Austin or some shit. That's why he's the so, world champion, two thousand nine. Oh, that was a riff. I, yeah, was, oh, I fell for it again. His whole life is one character. He's like <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. He's just doing a bore out of us. He's really English, like super posh English theater student. All right, so yeah, so her childhood was kind of. Uh, she had she, adversity and struggles. It sounds like. Yeah. And then, um, her yeah, so she was on her parents were on her mother was on food stamps, and then found the job as a travel agent. I think was that well, yeah, as a travel agent, which is a job that doesn't exist any, anymore. You <laughs> <laughs> know, was like in the eighties when they had stupid jobs like. Travel agent and yeah, they're like, "I'll book you a flight to Hawaii," and you're like, "I can just go on yeah, online." I can just go on GoDaddy.com. And... <laughs> it's only like older people that still do that shit, right? I don't think they exist yeah. anymore. Yeah. I I saw a travel agency <laughs> once, but it was like a ghost. Was it a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> It just turned out it was a Radio Shack. Like it was just, hmm. I don't know. That joke bombed. Ah, oh, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so she kind of had a, a more of a struggle growing up. Uh, eventually, though, she went to UCLA where she graduated, and and then went on from UCLA to Yale Law School where she got a law degree. Yale. Yeah, and then uh, the first. <laughs> Uh, she worked on Michael Dukakis's campaign in 1988, but I really couldn't find much about that. Oh, that ended well for Dukakis, right? <laughs> yeah, great. Is that the one where Dukakis rode in the tank and everyone's like, he looks stupid as shit in that tank? <laughs> I don't know if that was him. Uh, <laughs> wait, was he the guy that uh, spelled potatoes wrong? <laughs> oh, I think so. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> He's like, you put an E in there. That doesn't go there. <laughs> Stupid children. 
I hope he spelled it like blatantly wrong. He like spelled potatoes and he was like A B C D E M G just so the alphabet. <laughs> like Beetlejuice from Howard Stern show. <laughs> you already here first, folks. Michael Dukakis, Beetlejuice. Same guy. So she graduated also from Yale in 1996 and went directly from Yale to working on Bill Clinton's re-election campaign. Um, nice. I couldn't really find anything about it. It said that she worked on some senatorial races and worked on domestic policy on Capitol Hill, but I, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of detail on how she was like able to be working on a presidential campaign like that. I think I mean, we all know how, if you know what I'm saying. Wink, wink. The, the campaign, the, the campaign. No, the campaign paid for lodging and food, obviously, for all of its volunteers. Get your mind out of the gutter. Yeah, but you got to pay them money too. Like you can't just. You can pay them in other things, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Chuck E. Cheese tokens. You can. <laughs> Not even the tickets, just the tokens. Uh, well, maybe it's the Yale connection. Just, yeah. Yeah, that seems to happen with all those Ivy League freaks where they're... Yeah. Well, the Clintons went to Yale, so... I don't know. So, after that, like, that basically became her bread and butter. Like, the Clinton family, she became, like, tied to the hip to them. She worked on Bill Clinton's campaign. She worked in his presidential administration. She worked on Hillary Clinton's Senate run in like 2000. And uh, she worked on Clinton's presidential run in 2007, 2008, and again in 2015 and 2016. Um, so not a, like, not a winning track record as far as that's <laughs> Wait, so she just like worked for the Clintons for like 20 years? 20 years, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. And she was a like a policy advisor as well, and um, she was one of the people that from Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign that went over to working on Obama's uh, in Obama's administration. Barack Obama? Yes, <laughs> Barack. <laughs> oh shit, dude! Obama dropped his fucking twenty twenty playlist. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. dude. I was disappointed. No fucking cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> Fuck shit. It's just that Miley Cyrus song, Wrecking Ball, in a loop. We're gonna build. We're gonna build back better. <laughs> so I. So yeah. So she worked on um, all those Clinton campaigns in 2003. Neera Tandon helped play a central role in co-founding are founding the Center for American Progress. And she worked there as a senior vice president for domestic policy and vice president of academic affairs. She had like 20 titles. She was like one of those people that has like a job that they can't describe to you. <laughs> I take their money and then I do studies. Well, I don't actually do them. I just tell other people to do them. And then... Now I'm senior analyst at the Center for American Progress. <laughs> so, yeah, diverse uh, 
The first president of the Senior Center for American Progress was John Podesta. <laughs> oh, oh nice. from the from the emails. <laughs> from the emails, the emails yeah. Jerry. Um, Jerry. The Podesta emails. The Jerry. emails, Jerry. You gotta find the emails. <laughs> so, yeah, it kind of rose to prominence. Um, it became known as like the most left liberal think tank in Washington D.C. It was described as a thorn in Obama's left side. <laughs> what? Wait, why is left side? Because oh, <laughs> uh, it's left. Yeah. Okay. Who but wrote that? Ben Garrison. <laughs> Wait, what? Who wrote that left side thing? Was it Ben Garrison? <laughs> Renowned cartoonist and friend of the show, Ben Garrison wrote. I mean, the Center for American Progress, uh, you know, they're uh, more radical than the Black Panthers, huh? Right? Yeah, have you Is ever read right? Hugh Pinu and he writes about how he was scared about a Center for American Prosperity <laughs> opening? He's like, if they do this, they're going to know we're phonies. <laughs> He's like, figures dude, out. The, the, the emails, Jerry. The emails. <laughs> <laughs> the people in 1968 were like, man, what's this cat talking about? Talking about what's an email? What's a Jerry? And then Seinfeld read that book and he's like, I got an idea for a TV show. <laughs> That's also in the Hubie Halloween script, by the way. It's Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld. No. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to come back to the, the Center of American Progress, but I do want to talk about a little bit of, um, it's not necessarily super related to Neera Tandon, but she did work on the 2008 uh, Hillary Clinton campaign, which mm-hmm. is um, considering like how much like virtue signaling she does later on, it's, I think, important to note that Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2007 and 2008 was a very racist campaign that yeah. like to spread a lot of misinformation about Barack Obama being a non-native citizen. Yeah, the the picture of him with the the headdress, like yeah. they they were the ones that fucking like re- released that shit. Yeah, man, it it really blows can, my mind how consistently good and fair this the Clintons are to every opponent they go against. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was definitely a concerted effort on the Clinton campaign to paint Obama as a secret Muslim. Uh, <laughs> you know, the thing our current president like constantly rips about now. Yeah. Donald Donald Trump also good at improv. <laughs> yeah, dude, that oh fuck. Him and Alex Jones should have a fucking just take over a second city, but on one of their like SNL audition nights. <laughs> Just ruin all these kids' dreams by derailing their whole improv. With so, like, like, uh, like you said, there was that photo of Obama in a turban, which right. um, was circulated uh, by the Clinton campaign. The first place that it showed up was the Drudge Report. Um, nice, nice people to give that photo to. <laughs> nice fellow over at the Wait. Drudge Report. The Clinton campaign denied it in the most like gaslighting, abusive boyfriend way that they possibly could. Um, they said that Obama, uh, the Obama campaign, had leaked the photo 
so that they could attack the Hillary Clinton campaign as being racist. Wait, so Obama <laughs> linked the photo to Matt Drudge so they could be like, look oh. how racist Hillary is. <laughs> yeah. look, how, look how racist Hillary is. Look and then Obama also, and then Obama also leaked those pictures of him smoking weed. And he's like, "Fucking dude, look how cool Barack Obama is." What was his nickname? Like bombed out Barry or some fucking crazy shit when he used to smoke weed. Barry Blazed. <laughs> yeah, no, that was it. Barry Blazed. <laughs> hey, it's uh, it's me, Barry Blazed. Uh, I'm here to 420 blaze it. It's my Obama. <laughs> Hi, I'm uh, Barack Obama. I like to smoke doobies. <laughs> Michelle, show me those boobies. Hey, <laughs> That's my Obama. This just <laughs> this just got me thinking. Didn't they like th- there was like an Obama 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 boys or Obama bros like thing, kind of like the Bernie bro thing. Yeah, right. yeah. No, there was. They painted people who supported Obama over Hillary as sexist. And then, uh, uniquely enough, there was a group of people called Pumas, which standed for Party Unity My Ass. And it was people that supported Hillary Clinton and refused to vote for Obama and voted for McCain in the 2008 election. Ooh. Which is a fun thing to note because more Clinton supporters ended up voting for John McCain than Bernie Sanders supporters voted for Clinton than Bernie Sanders voters didn't vote for fucking Clinton in 2016. So, uh, Kenny, I you know that that is an interesting point, but Cheeto Man bad. Uh, don't forget. Never forget. That's the slogan <laughs> of America. COVID, yep. forget about it. Because of 9/11, it's Cheeto Matt. Man bad. America. No, America's slogans. Um, never forget because of 9/11. Events depicted in the Dwayne the, the Rock Johnson movie Rampage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, back to that photo. So Fitz uh, campaign manager uh, Maggie Williams suggested um, if Obama's campaign wants to suggest that a photo of him wearing traditional Somali clothing is divisive, they should be ashamed. <laughs> Whoa. So they leaked the photo to a bunch of racist outlets being like, go ahead, be racist. And then when Obama's like, hey, you're being racist, they're like, well, if you think that that photo is offensive, then you're the racist one. That's incredible. Do you think Obama knew that her husband uh, was friends with a pedophile who knew Chris Tucker? He, he should have used that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. You never heard about this? Bill Clinton. He's friends with a pedophile named Jeff. And, uh. No, Chris Tucker? Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Tucker's on the flight logs. Oh, you know, Chris Tucker is, yeah. He's well, best friends with that. Jeff, the pedophile. <laughs> no, I don't know how you haven't heard about this. I know you haven't heard about Jeff. <laughs> Wait, you wanted the Obamas to bring that up? Uh, yeah, to be like, look, this guy knows Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> That'd be great if they leaked the pictures. I'm like, look, he has a headdress on. They're like, this guy, this guy knows Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein fucks children. <laughs> that would have derailed the whole thing. It worked for Trump. <laughs> it did. It did work. <laughs> so, 
I guess Obama didn't need Obama didn't lose, so it's not like I don't know why I'm giving Obama strategy. He won. So I'm like, you should have done yeah, this. He obviously <laughs> didn't, didn't have to do that, apparently. You should have yeah. though. This is like 14 years after the fact. <laughs> hey, but it's important to litigate these facts out. All right. I also say how crazy is it that Trump's strategy worked attacking somebody who was like knew somebody, like her husband. Was on the flight. The Jeffrey Epstein. He was on. Fucking was on the flight like a lot. It's like telling on. It's like telling your friend's girlfriend. You're like, hey, I saw, I saw your boyfriend at this like gangbang club, and I know because I was there too. Like no one's like, wait, why were you there? It seems like with Donald Trump, when he was, they'd be like, wait, why were you on that plane? I saw Bill Clinton on the plane. We were hanging out. The plane, Jerry. The plane. What people think is that Donald Trump was like super sleuthing. When Donald Trump was knee deep in like underage pussy, he was like being a detective. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lure out the pedophiles. He's like, oh, I hate sucking on this 14 year old toe so much, but I have to do it because I'm a spy. <laughs> it's like that scene in Triple X with these. When he goes, the things I do for my country. <laughs> Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel based Triple X in the movie Triple X on Donald Trump. He said it in the commentary. <laughs> the audio commentary on the Criterion edition. All right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Where were we? Uh, so I was talking a little bit still about the Clinton campaign and also a senior advisor, uh, pointed out Obama's previous drug use and started raising like hypothetical questions by saying things like, uh, what if the Republicans are like, uh, did he sell it to anybody? What like, <laughs> so being racist in that way. Nice. And then, if I uh, learned, if I learned any presidential cam, any presidential candidate sold weed, I'd be like fucking tight, dude. I'm going to vote for you. It's weird that they're like, what if they found out Obama sold weed? It's like, I don't know, dude. You guys sold guns to fucking... Uh, you guys invented crack. <laughs> you, guys, you guys invented <laughs> crack. They did. That's what I would say if anyone was like... If I was running for president and they're like, you sold weed when you were 19. They'd be like, well, you invented crack and it sold it to a lot more people than I sold weed to. I just sold weed out of a Burger King. You destabilized entire neighborhoods and countries. So the last thing I have about the Clinton campaign is that an advisor of Clinton's campaign about the photo, because they were questioning Clinton campaign people about it, said that she has no shame or any problem with people like Barack Obama wearing the native clothing of their country, which is Kenyan. So they were pushing birtherism. At the same time that Donald Trump was also... Yeah, but they're doing it like a way less dumb way. Where they're like, look, I have no problem that this guy wasn't born in America. I like that. I think it's cool, actually. And Donald Trump just was like... Blatantly yeah. racist Doesn't it. Like, Donald Trump always gets like credited as like the grandfather of that. Or like the father of that conspiracy theory. Which there's no way that he was. He heard other people saying it. Yeah, the yeah, guy's never so. came up with any original thought on his own. Dude, fucking Bill Clinton probably told him that, like, on a plane ride. 
He's like, hey, this dude, Obama, wasn't even fucking born in the U.S. And then, like, that's how... <laughs> they're, on the they're on the Epstein flight smoking weed. They bought... They're on the Epstein flight smoking weed they bought from Barack Obama. And they're just like, dude, I bought this weed from him. He's fucking not from America, dude. And he's like, oh, shit, Barry? I bought my weed from Barry, too. And this oh, when he was a se- yeah when he was <laughs> when he was a senator in Chicago he was also just like selling weed he was just I, he's like okay I gotta leave Senate and they would just sell weed to fucking the Bush campaign and shit he just put sunglasses on he's like all right now I'm Barry Blazin he put a, he put sunglasses on and like one of those little hats with the spinny propeller on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the man who sold you weed? No, my guy has sunglasses and a spinny whirly hat. <laughs> it's a different guy. That's how he got away with that. That's how Obama got <laughs> his disguise worked so well. Yeah, so it sounds like Hillary uh, and the campaign kind of were just like the ones who came up with this. Yeah. And then Trump was just, he, Trump and the Republicans are just so dumb, they're just like, we're going to use this even though, like, we have nothing to gain from this. Because Obama wasn't going to get impeached because of this weird thing. Hillary at least did it. Her purpose was like, oh, I want people to, like, not vote for this guy because they think he's, you know, foreign agent. And Tucker Carlson is just like, I can be a racist now because he's not American. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that speaks, I think, kind of like to the hubris that Hillary Clinton was like, indefinitely in 2008, was like, this thing's a lock. I'm going to win. So none of this is going to come back to bite the party in the ass. And then she was like, oh, that racist thing that I campaigned <laughs> on is being used now. Ah, shit. <laughs> ah, I should fucking... And then she asked the skull of her dead mentor, Barry Goldwater. He's like, you told me to be racist. No, I told you to put stickers on your bike, like Roger Stone. That's it. <laughs> told you to get a tattoo of Nixon on your pussy, Hill. <laughs> oh, I thought you said dual racism. And I was like, well, I mean, that should go oh, without saying. I'm the fucking skull of Barry Goldwater. <laughs> also, I talk, and I have a Gilbert Godfrey voice. <laughs> I'm voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> oh, God. I'm Barry Goldwater. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just wanted to point that out because Derek Tandon is like tied at the hip with the Clinton campaign. And um, when in, in 2008, she was one of the few people from the Clinton campaign that ended up working inside the Obama administration. She was credited as one of the key architects of the Affordable Care Act, um, which I I think there should be some dispute about since a lot of that came from the Heritage Foundation and also Mitt Romney. (laughs) I guess she just copy-pasted Mitt Romney's bullshit proposal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's true. That, like, yeah, it was like a... It was a right-wing fucking healthcare plan and obama said it was like right like they yeah which is weird because near tandon and the center for american progress they also 
they would occasionally say some pretty progressive shit and stuff that that was not like that was true especially about the affordable care act because i watched one interview with her where she was saying this is the conservative whatever compromise the like the end of it oh wait no <laughs> whoops i'm thinking of somebody else she didn't she didn't say that <laughs> wait, who are you thinking of uh van jones which doesn't look anything like <laughs> van jones said that. yeah van jones said about the affordable care act this is the conservative healthcare plan the individual mandate and these things are definitely and he talked about and i think this is like an interview in like 2012 van jones was talking about like single-payer health care and yeah but um Yeah, so the plan, basically, uh, the health care plan, the Affordable Care Act, largely resembled what uh, Mitt Romney did in Massachusetts as governor. Uh, so much so that Mitt Romney in 2015 said um, in an interview, without Romney care, there would be no Obamacare. So Romney care was definitely the precursor for that. And I think it's weird to that you're considered one of the chief architects of something that's basically <laughs> Mitt Romney and the Heritage Foundation's healthcare plan, and yet you're also the president of what's considered the most progressive think tank in Washington D.C., and you're just like defaulting to the Heritage Foundation and, and Mitt Romney. Yeah, it's a weird like concession up front. It's like, hey, uh, our thing is actually your thing, so support it, and they're like. No. Yeah. And that's, that's in politics. Guys, no, the Affordable Care Act didn't get a single Republican vote. Uh, the Democrats had a supermajority at the time when they voted on it. They could have easily gotten a public auction. Hell, they probably could have easily passed um, a Medicare for All system if they wanted to. Um, instead, we got Mitt Romney's Massachusetts health care plan. Which we must defend with our lives, if you're listening to Biden and all of them right now. Yeah. But, yeah. So what do you guys think about that? <laughs> you like, I mean, obviously Obamacare is better than Trump's plan of, like, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally a big blank book is his. Yeah. yeah, well, the, the weird thing to do is like, it's so heavy. It's a heavy book. <laughs> the weird thing, too, is that, like, whenever uh, there was open enrollment for uh, the, you know, Obamacare or whatever the fuck, uh, he would be like, oh, we have a bunch of people signing up to, to our health care. Like, he was taking credit, like, whenever it would be announced that, like, you know, so many people enrolled. Like, he gladly took credit for that. Mitt Romney? No, uh, Trump. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Just fun things that he does. They are fun. We're lucky to have <laughs> yeah. them in our life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Affordable Care Act is just like, it just expanded the, the market for, like, insurance companies. Like, it was better than nothing, but as a yeah. response to people not having health insurance and that crisis in and of itself, especially following the financial crisis, was 
obviously not enough. And the fact that the position that liberals, especially people like Neera Tendon in the Center for American Progress, the proposition that they want us to continue to accept is you can have Obamacare, which doesn't go fairly nearly far enough and kind of sucks and is terrible and leaves 20 million people still uninsured or whatever. Or you can let Donald Trump like rev his Harvey Davidson motorcycle in like the parking lot of the White House and like <laughs> fucking dick all about anything. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool, cool situation we we find ourselves in. Yeah, and that's why in 2016 a lot of people were like, oh, I want to see that fucking showed drive a motorcycle instead of whatever the fuck this is. So, yeah. The weird thing about Neera Tandon and the Center for American Progress is that um, they did put out some, like, progressive shit. And even Neera Tandon on some cases was like, would say things that she was like, it sounded like she supported, at least ideologically, things like single-payer health care or like ending the wars or um, cared about economic justice. And it's just when, whenever she was in a position to actually craft legislation or influence people in that direction, she consistently chose uh, political expediency and whatever she thought would be convenient for that and that's did, how a career is made <laughs> by compromise <laughs> that's how you negotiate you give them whatever they want so one of the things i want to talk about as i'm going to get back to the center for american progress in in 2005 they launched a website called think progress which was like one of the early progressive outlets i think the only other thing on around that time was probably maybe the majority report and the young Turks, not a lot of other people were doing. Right. There wasn't a lot of outlets like that at that time. Um, so, and they, and they did put out some good stuff. They put out videos that were actually like uh, promoting a single payer healthcare system. Uh, they were on the right side. They promoted the 15, uh, $15 minimum wage. They did things like that, and yet, um, and, I, and I'm, of course, like, obviously, when I'm going to get to what ended up with those policies, is near attendant eventually became president of the Center for American Progress, and those things were thrown aside. But one thing I'd like to talk about is that uh, one of the things with Think Progress is near attendant made a big point of, like, boasting about how um, all the workers at, at Think Progress were unionized and how important it is for strong unions. And if you want uh, labor protections and higher wages and all these things, the importance... Whoa, the comrade Mira. Yeah, the importance of unionization. And then um, uh, didn't, didn't didn't work out so well. In 2019, which was just last year, uh, Think Progress uh, closed. Uh, uh, the Center for American Progress fired everybody that worked there, all the independent people that worked there. And up until then, they had been like allowed some level of autonomy. They were kind of allowed to edit themselves and do that. 
and the Center for American Progress uh, fired everybody, uh, deleted the entire archive of what they had done over the past like 15 years, Whoa, 14 so you years. Can't find like archived articles these people have written. They're gone. Well, they were gone. Uh, they got kind of called out on some shit, but basically they deleted the entire 14-year project. And Wait. then the Center for American Progress then hired a bunch of people that were directly worked for for them to basically scab scabs. They fired everybody that was in the union and replaced them with scab workers. Wait, holy shit! So like, so they actually did have like a unionized like work workspace, and then they just like got rid of did. them for. It's like and that I, movie, The Replacements, with Keanu Reeves. And I have a like one thing I want to read is there was a statement put out by the union, and I'll read that. It's uh, saying on Friday the Center for American Progress laid off the entire Think Progress news uh, network. Uh, Think Progress union is devastated, but incredibly grateful for the solidarity from our colleagues and Think Progress alums. Because of the strength of our union, we were able to secure 12 months severance health insurance to the end of the year, and 11 unit members lost their, as cutting off there, but uh, additionally, we were able to secure half a year and add revenue bonuses. Um, but however, we were blindsided at the revelation that the Center for American Progress continues operations, Think Progress site, oh, with shit. its own labor. So, uh, wait, so they thought that, like, they got fired because the business was, like, yeah, shutting down. They thought, they thought they were shutting down Think Progress, but that's not the case. They fired everybody that was unionized and then replaced them with their own people. Oh, shit. And then, um... That must be yeah. a crazy feeling to be, like, with all your coworkers, just to be like, it sucks we lost our job. Like, you know, what can you do? The fucking company went under. Right. It's like if you worked at a circuit city and they were like, it's going under. And then you drove by that circuit city and they had it with all new employees. <laughs> it's exactly like that. It's the exact same thing as that. Yeah, pretty much. That happened to um, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, oh, they, they fired everybody there, replaced them with their own people. And here is the... The, the weird part is that basically they deleted the entire archive, fired all these people, and then Think Progress was working on a subscription service. Oh, and shit. so they changed it. This was when Nero Tandon was president, too. So they continued to charge people subscription fees unless they proactively co-opted out or opted out of the... I was going to say, what's proactively co-opt mean? <laughs> just... Yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> if you want out of your membership, you have to come and be like an editor for <laughs> our magazine. Like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> All right. And we don't want to pay $5.99 a month, so I guess I'll edit this guy's think piece about prisons. Wait, so, so it's like one of those things that they made it like impossible to cancel your subscription to? Yeah, so it's basically not a thing anymore, and yet they're still collecting subscription fees from it. They're not it's canceling like, the it's list. Like a, it's like satellite radio. Have you ever tried to cancel a free trial of satellite radio? No. You can't do it online. You have to call like a number, and then you have to press a bunch of buttons. 
It's like that. It's impossible. And then by the end, you're like, fuck it. I guess I'll just have satellite radio. And you just have it on your phone right you now. You just get to listen to, yeah, to Howard Stern. Yeah. Sure, but I don't want to pay $25 a month for Howard Stern and then a radio station that plays the Beatles. I have Spotify. I don't need a radio station that plays only the Beatles. So it's kind of like that, mm-hmm. right, Kenny? it's exactly yeah so it's it's a weird it's a weird shady thing that they did obviously it goes against their unionization messaging when they fire the entire union and then just replaces them with right uh yes men uh one of the reasons they were saying that one of the reasons that they obviously shut down Think Progress was that it was just not financially viable, that it wasn't turning or making any money or whatever. But um, a large part of that is because Think Progress did have some autonomy over what it was allowed to say. They had like a few good people that worked there. And um, it started. Yeah, it started not being like convenient for them to have people saying what they were saying there was some people that were um like who critical of apac and israel Ooh. oh shit and um i think apac that- core <laughs> my favorite rapper, <laughs> my favorite rapper. <laughs> oh shit it's just super zionist <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna just read this uh some of the emails that came out that WikiLeaks leaked during the 2016 had a lot to do with uh, the Center for American Progress. And some of the emails that leaked were about, uh, were correspondences between uh, Nier Tandon and a great deal of people. Um, the Center for American Progress was um, kind of going out of its way to, to placate to APAC and the Israel lobby and Bet- Benjamin Netanyahu. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was like a time when Obama was president that Benjamin Netanyahu was basically calling into question the legitimacy of his presidency and also saying that Obama was an anti-Semite and all that stuff. Oh, because was it because of uh, Reverend Wright? Uh, no, it's because of the Iran nuclear deal. Oh, <laughs> where was he? Where was he calling into Netanyahu? Was he calling into like Opie and Anthony? And he was like, "This uh, is me, <laughs> Netanyahu." <laughs> Hello, Patrice O'Neill. Like, big fan. I just want to say, Obama. Obama hates the Jews. <laughs> then Jim Norton talked about getting pegged in his asshole, and he was like, "I gotta go." And he hung up the phone. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. But uh, one of the weird things at that time, too, was that the Center for American Progress was acting in direct opposition to the um, Obama administration, which you would think a think tank that's primarily Democratic would not be proactively undermining their president. Right. Uh, well, Neera well, was president, though, at the time, and also Neera Tandon was tied at the hip with the Clintons for 20 years. So they started, you know, trying to... They basically laid off everybody that said anything critical of Israel and APAC and also invited Benjamin Netanyahu to a to an event to be a speaker to a barbecue. Yeah, yeah. it was like a county fair. 
<laughs> playing cornhole. <laughs> playing cornhole with near a tandem. Just <laughs> many uh, many people at the Center for American Progress were upset that they invited Netanyahu. Um, because he was, or at least I think progress, because they still had like a few good people. They were upset because you know Netanyahu is a fucking racist, militaristic piece of shit. Yeah, right. Who uh, keeps calling it to Opie and Anthony? It's like, hey, it's Benji Yuhu. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, it was like uh, counter to everything that the Center for American Progress was actively claiming was their uh, stance on issues for. Like they believe in a two-state. The Center for American Progress actively put forth the, they believe in a in a two-state solution. Benjamin Netanyahu uh, did not. Right. Uh, he's, yeah, because he's people. a Zionist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is weird how I'm sorry. It is weird how there's so many like of these dudes who are like blatant. Like fascist or like dictators or and or like you know, like potential genociders and like both parties are just like, well, we need to be nice to these people. Yeah, peace. Well, I, was gonna, I was gonna say like it's not so much like that now. Like APAC is kind of like they are. Still... Yeah, AP, yeah, APAC's more like a like a very fringe. Like Ben Shapiro, right wing thing. Well, it's weird. I think. I think. Well, John. Uh, no, uh, the Speaker of the House, what's not uh, head of the Senate, the Democrats, Chuck Schumer. He gave a speech at APAC, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year. That's because so, I like, couldn't get his niece, Amy Schumer, to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck! What was it? Say, uh, but it, it it was like. I remember it being a big deal that like a bunch of presidential candidates or like in the primaries were basically saying that they wouldn't show up to APAC. But I think Pete Buttigieg ended up showing up after all or something. Oh, yeah. He did like, like a video thing. And he was at the like, same time, weren't they saying that Ilhan Omar is an anti-Semitic piece of shit for criticizing APAC? Yeah. But like it was weird, too, because like they could have applied that or they probably tried to apply that to Bernie. But they're like, well, oh, wait. Like, they did try. <laughs> it's like, surprise, yeah, I'm not true. They absolutely did try. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was an entire article written by some right-wing lady. I wish I could remember her name, but she was, she was like, the secret anti-Semitism of Jew Bernie Sanders. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wait, let's see here. You trying to find it? Yeah, I'm trying to find who ended up showing up and who didn't. Yeah, Pete Buttigieg for sure did because he did like he showed up on like a video screen because wasn't it like virtual because yeah. of COVID? No, this was pre-COVID. No, no, no yeah, but but like they showed up which, on the screen anyway. Yeah, yeah, he's, which is even weirder because it's like well, he's busy undermining democracy, Amador. This is true. This is probably at around the same time when he was like, "I've won Iowa." Yeah, he's too busy like, trying to do a coup on Iowa, <laughs> the famous <laughs> Iowa coup. <laughs> 2019. <laughs> um, did you find it? Who wrote that? I can't find it, but it like this article that I, I just found from Al Jazeera is saying Klobuchar and Buttigieg join the other Democrats in skipping. Mm. So 
Well, this is not. Uh, they, to be fair, they disinvited Klobuchar because she was like, "Yeah, I could do some time," and they heard her bit. They heard that Blizzard exactly. bit, and they're like, oh, "You've been bumped from the lineup." I'm sorry. We had like a guest <laughs> from out of town come, and he's doing a guest spot instead. He's like, "Oh." All right, you know, I'll do the late show, what? and they were like, "The late show's book too." Like, there's no room on any of the shows for you, Amy. We saw your last clip. We don't want you on our show. You're not the comic we're looking for. Amy Kobachar bumped for. So, uh, one thing I want to bring up is that two of the Think Progress writers that were laid off because they were being critical of Israel, uh, they wrote an article about this. Uh, anti-Muslim film that was going around called The Third Jihad. Oh, fuck. I know about this. And that film was actually being used as training material by the NYPD. No, uh, so I... They were showing the fucking New York Police Department was getting hopped up on weird oh um, my God, dude. Israeli propaganda. Uh, yeah. Record. I'm sorry. I was just that just reminded me of that satanic panic like trainee shit that they were doing. Oh, like I lied about anybody. <laughs> anybody can make any dumb shitty video and just like give it to police. They're so fucking stupid. Yeah, the police. They'll, just, they'll fucking watch it and go, "Look, oh, this is true." You know what's weird? Yeah. Remember when people thought Blair Witch was real? Yeah, it's like that, but they're tricking I, like yeah. cops. I that was real. I was like ten years old though, so like. Yeah, it was scary yeah. shit. And then when you, you watch paid it, paid the Blair Witch to, you know, teach you how to Blair Witch. Or, but it makes or, you, you scared know. of the Blair Witch. I don't want to go in the woods in Oregon. The Blair Witch is there. Right? I'm sure they showed this to cops and be like, "Don't go to Afghanistan. There's Muslims there or some shit." And they're like, "This is scary. Like the Blair Witch Project. I'm a cop." <laughs> This is scary to me. This is scarier than witches to me is brown people. Thank you for showing me this found footage horror movie about the Quran that you made. That was uh, after the article was published, they um, exposed ties to this group called the Clarion Fund, which was an Israel-backed thing by basically people who supported the illegal settlements. Settlements in Gaza and APAC and stuff like that. And then about two days after the article was published, the Center for American Progress heavily censored everything. It basically took out all the uh, references to Israel and Israel funding. So basically the article was about how this Israel, these uh, lobbying groups in Israel are basically like made this fucking movie thing happen and spreading this propaganda. And the article was like, isn't that fucked up? And then the Center for American Progress is like, what if we... So I don't know what the article was after that. It was just like, hey, look at this cool movie. <laughs> it's like the Blair Witch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, before we move on past the Israel stuff, I don't know how much... Uh, I just wanted to say this real quick. Uh, I googled Jerry Seinfeld Israel. And uh, the first thing that came up is Jerry Seinfeld... Um, doing stand-up in Tel Aviv, and they took his family to an I IDF camp. Nice. And they just, like, hung out with, like, militia soldiers. Holy shit. So, uh, yep. It's a genocide, Jerry! A genocide! 
I'm not gonna do a fucking Costanza voice. I'm not doing it. All right. <laughs> so. So yeah. So as with Neera Tandon as head of the Center for American Progress, it obviously starts becoming more conservative. Um, in a way, I think that's just a safe base for Clinton. She is quoted as saying that she'll basically do anything for Clinton. She says that she's a very Aww. loyal, a loyal soldier. That's um, not how you talk about politics. It's weird when you use them like weird Yakuza <laughs> terms to <laughs> describe your loyalty to a politician. <laughs> so I do want to go on to, so the Center for American Progress and think tanks in general, I think, are something that we have to cover is that yeah. stag tank. Think tanks are fucking stupid. <laughs> and yeah. they are politically motivated nonsense that then pays fake researchers to do fake research to find fake conclusions that they want. Um, Center for American Progress is definitely not uh, and oh, critics of think tanks which I love reading the criticisms because it sounds like the dumbest guy in the room like finally getting a joke. They're like uh, wait a minute wouldn't they just be like giving out information that their donors and the people that fund them would? And they're like yeah, that's <laughs> yeah it's weird though because like i don't i don't know enough about like the urban institute but they're purportedly like i guess progressive and do certain things but i don't know where they're like embedding themselves like in communities or is it like a, they're embedding themselves with like the cops or because like they do weird like projects um but they're supposed to be, I guess they're like more progressive than the Center for American Progress, but I'm not sure about that. The Center for American Progress is basically Reagan era Republicanism, so it's not hard to be. This is, yeah, this is true. Like, I mean, yeah, otherwise there's like the Cato Institute or like the Heritage Foundation or. Yeah, it's not that like think tanks are inherently flawed, it's that obviously you have to look at where they're getting their funding from. Like, that's sure. going to influence if you're a think tank that gets its funding from like just everyday people donating to your, you're likely to have less biased. So that might, yeah, that might be like, so like there's like the gravel gravel Institute. It's gravel. Like that's a new thing. That's run by like TikTok tween teens. <laughs> yeah, I know. But they're supposedly they're <laughs> supposed to be like the answer, the leftist answer to like fucking Prager University and shit. Yeah, I don't know if that's like necessarily an effect. I uh I will go to bat for Mike Gravel. He has that weird fucking campaign uh video where he like throws a rock in a river and then stares into the camera for ten minutes and it's just this Gravel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seems cool. He's a good guy. <laughs> and he had like he literally did have like TikTok tweens like run his Twitter account. So they just yeah. like go out and be like uh-uh, Hillary Clinton, you're actually a dumb bitch. It's like, all right, this is my favorite thing. Hey, it's me, Frankie Noodles, and I'm here to eat this meatball full of cum. Also, Hillary Clinton is a bad person. TikTok. Another eating the cum meatball to a pit bull song. So I did, I did find some information about who funds 
the Center for American Progress. Their top donor lists include Walmart. Oh, good. Uh, good company. <laughs> Citigroup. Uh, like Citibank? Blue Cross, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Whoa, what? Goldman Sachs. Nice. The Embassy of the United Arab Emirates. Oh. What? <laughs> Bank of America, Google, and Time Warner. So The cable company? Time Warner Cable? <laughs> and Goldman Sachs, uh, you know, partly responsible for the financial meltdown of 2008. Yeah. And Neera Tandon, who served in the Obama administration, who's the president of the Center for American Progress. Maybe... Uh, had something to do with that kind of shit. Or at least that mentality, philosophy did. Yeah. Uh, the most fucked up thing I could find, because I know like everybody that we do research at, on at some point is like um, spout some crazy fucking nonsense. Um, the thing that I find found most upsetting was near attendance comments on uh libya which were also revealed in an email leak um oh i think yeah near attendant made the argument in an email that libyans should be forced to turn over large portions of their oil revenue to repay the united states for the cost that they incurred in bombing uh libya <laughs> <laughs> On the grounds that Americans will support future wars only if they see that the countries that they were attacking pay for their own invasions. So basically the Donald Trump argument that uh, the United States should seize the oil in Iraq, uh, Neera Tandon is making the exact same argument for Libya, that Libya should pay the United States. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I heard that Libya has like like slave trading right now and shit. Oh, it's yeah. it's in like like insane just chaos disrepair. There are open slave markets in Libya and yeah. Say what you want. Gaddafi obviously not great, good, whatever. Yeah. But destabilizing these regions is obviously leads to worse consequences. Saddam Hussein, not good. Uh, Saddam Hussein not there leads to ISIS. So Saddam Hussein, not good person, very good improviser though. Very good. <laughs> He's very good. He was at an improv troupe with Alex Jones. Yeah, that's how he got <laughs> caught. They had a show at, a, <laughs> at an Irish pub was, and they were like, oh, fuck, is it that? It was all up in line and he was like, oh, I'm a pizza man on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> So I have this quote. This is a direct quote from Neera Tandon from the emails. She says, we have a giant deficit. They have a lot of oil. Most Americans would choose not to engage in the world because of that deficit. If we want to continue to engage in the world, um, like just uh, if we want to continue to engage in the world, gestures like having oil rich countries partially pay us back doesn't seem like a crazy, doesn't seem crazy to me. Do we prefer to make cuts to Head Start, WIC, or Medicare, or Medicaid, because we live in deficit politics, and that's what's happening, and will be happening even more. So, in essence, she's making the argument, uh, Americans don't like to be involved in these conflicts, so um, 
not to stop those conflicts because those conflicts are how the it's like a dumb like if you are we gonna make a little are we gonna make a little moolah i mean yeah it's it's like the the united states is like a fucking weird person that's been locked in a room and only knows how to communicate through violence she's like but if we if we want to continue to communicate which is obviously violence and war we're gonna have to make look, these people pay for it. Look, it costs enough to like destroy your society and make you rebuild anew. You should like at least give us a Starbucks gift card for the privilege of blowing up your state capitol building. <laughs> it's the least you can do. You're gonna be a dick by not giving us money for drone striking your bar mitzvah. Fuck, it's fucking. That's like a. What's, like, amazing when you read pieces like that from, like, these liberals who just have these ideas that are, like, in essence, like, murder more, but murder more ethically. Like, it's pretty much what they boil down to. It's, like, when you read these pieces, like, in the New York Times or these, like, op-eds about, like, why doing war is tight. It's, like, you do a very good job of almost not sounding dumb when you're saying, like, the stupidest... Like thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're saying that Peter for... Griffin, like, like blowing up a country and then making them pay half of it is like a Homer Simpson thing. <laughs> it's like a Homer Simpson idea, and you're like writing like this is good. This is like a good idea for me, someone who works in politics. It's like you have a Peter Griffin brain. <laughs> what I don't, yeah, and also what I don't get is like, just be a Republican. Right. Yeah. Just be it. Just be a fucking Republican. Like, why are you... Like, you know who likes that idea? Republicans like that idea. Yeah, why the fuck are you... It's radical centrism, bro. <laughs> it means they're, like, skateboarding while they're, like... Yeah. yeah. They did a kickflip while they, like, bombed the shit out of Libya. And it was like, whoops. Oh, what's great? Like, 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 like a tarnish. <laughs> Yeah, Obama was wearing shades the whole time. It was fucking rad. Just bomb Libya, and then Obama goes, hand me my axe. And they just go, wow, 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 Just play a Rage Against the Machine song. Joe Biden. Balls are a parade. He's Zach Del Rocha in this. He has, like, one of those, like, Rasta wigs. It's, like, the dreadlocks of that. It's like, what's that costume on, boss? He's like, all right, I'm Tom this time. <laughs> they switch roles. They can both play guitar as good as Tom Morello. Obama and Joe Biden. <laughs> that tracks, honestly. Fucking fax machine noises and shit. They, uh, they did ask somebody at the Instant of American Progress about these emails. And her excuse was... <laughs> Uh, we're a think tank, uh, and we have internal discussions and dialogues all the time on a variety of issues. We encourage throwing out ideas to spur conversations and spark debate. <laughs> oh my gosh, she admitted. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're a think tank. We entertain all sorts of ideas, even a if those think- ideas are committing war crimes and stealing the natural resources of a country. Okay. What's funny is like a think tank just sounds like me hanging out with my friends, being like stoned. <laughs> where they're just like I don't know what if there were like no cities 
What if like places didn't have names and you just lived in a place with no name, but then you just talk about it for like an hour? That's what a think tank is. Some guy yeah, just says the- a stone thing like, we should make other countries pay us to do war with them. And someone's like, fuck yeah, dude, that's tight. Obama hit the jam. Wow, wow, chicka, wow, wow, chicka, <laughs> And they just jam out to Obama greatest, against the machine. The greatest think tank has to be Joe Rogan's deprivation think tank, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's, on mushrooms, like thinking of everything. It's just in there. screaming. He's just pre-basing DMT <laughs> and creatine. He's just in his cryo tank. Going, ah! <laughs> I'm a stone monkey. <laughs> Fuck! Fuck! Jesus Christ! <laughs> just in his basement. His family's upstairs. We're gonna watch Frozen Two. And Joe's just in a tank going, Fuck! <laughs> Alex Jones is my best friend! He's my best friend, I love him! I want to kiss him on the mouth! This is my think tank! That's <laughs> why I fucking think! Shit! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kitty. I'm sorry. Yeah. Your episode has turned into a riff fest. The last joke I want to get through is uh, Bernie Sanders ran, ran for president. Oh wow! And, when was this? Uh, 2016. Oh wow! And Sarah Tanden lost her fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, as you guys know, in 2016, Hillary Clinton was basically uh, the Democratic presumptive nominee from the very beginning. Uh, nobody wanted to run against her. The only person that did was Bernie Sanders and also the weird fucking like robot guy, Martin O'Malley, that was there for like a second. <laughs> <laughs> there. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that guy. He got like two delegates or some shit. Martin O'Malley that- sounds like the name of an Irish vampire. Yeah, that was that was probably his like pitch. Blow, it's me, Martin O'Malley. <laughs> I like Pennsylvania accents, not Irish. This is how this is how Boston vampires talk. Go Red Sox, blah blah. Uh, yeah. The Center for America Progress didn't like Bernie Sanders, obviously. Uh, Neera Tandon was the president of them, and she owed her entire political career to the Clinton political machine. Um, The Center for American Progress was so closely tied to Clinton's administration that they were kind of referred to as Clinton's government in waiting, and also Neera Tandon did have a role in on that campaign itself. So when the Center for American Progress was putting up a bunch of like anti-Bernie stuff. It's like pretty obvious where that was coming from. Right. Also definitely being a think tank in Washington, like how media companies work, like when the Washington Post wrote 16 negative articles on Bernie Sanders in 16 hours, like that's definitely a byproduct of think tanks. Wait, not. <laughs> <laughs> Go back. Wait, what happened? They wrote 16 negative articles in 16 hours? Famously wrote 16 negative articles 
on Bernie Sanders and published them all within a span of 16 hours. So just like once an hour, just going like, fucking motherfucker send. <laughs> Piece of much. shit, idiot. Fucking send. Goddamn fucking motherfucker send. You okay over there, Joe? He's just like, fuck! He's like, that's good. <laughs> that caps, fuck! Bernie Sanders, send. <laughs> just imagine being subscribed to, like, the Washington Post on, like, your, I don't know, Apple News app. And just, like, every hour, you go, like, King! and it's just some, like, article that's, like, why Bernie Sanders is a piece of shit. And you're just like, Jesus fucking crap, stop. <laughs> Bernie Sanders pees sitting down. Like a girl. <laughs> Fuck him. Hillary pees Fuck standing Hillary up like a man. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things that really, I think, pissed me off is that uh, Bernie was advocating for policies, obviously, that he cared about. And uh, Hillary Clinton was having to constantly play uh, catch-up. Like, Clinton would say, I support a $12 minimum wage. And uh, Bernie would say, nope, uh, <laughs> 15. Or um, Bernie Sanders was campaigning in large part, I guess. There was a campaign rally where he talked about gla- re- reinstating Glass-Steagall. For oh, basically, no. Huh? I said, oh, no. Yeah, so he talked about reinstating that for almost an entire campaign event. And uh, Glass-Steagall was uh, in large part repealed by the Bill Clinton <laughs> administration. So obviously a weak spot for Hillary Clinton. But I did take a quote from Neera Tandon, just kind of showing how her political thoughts work uh, about that. Um, she said, why can't she, referring to Hillary Clinton, say the following, too big to fail our problems should never happen again, et cetera. I will take steps, higher cap requirements, whatever you have on the list to ensure we protect Americans. I think those will work better. I will work every day to make sure we protect Americans so they never suffer for the excesses of Wall Street. But if banks are growing too big to manage and we need to take these steps, et cetera, believe me, I will I will work to reinstate Glass-Steagall in a heartbeat because this American losing so much for the banks could never happen again. What? Uh, she's not conceding it was a responsible. It was responsible for the financial crisis, but her openness will better, will be better than a hard and fast position that puts her on the bank side of the ledger. Anyway, I just offer it as a thought. Yeah. So, what? Remember when Hillary Clinton said that she went down to Wall Street and like wagged her finger and said, "Cut it out." And they, yeah, and they like laughed at her Stop face. It. And then they're like, come on, Hillary, let's go swim in the Scourge McDuck pool. <laughs> so, yeah, so th- this kept happening with Bernie Sanders, where Bernie Sanders would be like, hey, the banks are responsible for the 2008 financial crisis. And Hillary Clinton's campaign, obviously, <laughs> would be like, no, no. Corrupt. And they were having to thread this needle, which, you know, in Neera Tandon's defense, a little bit. If you're having to run a campaign where you're like having to um, basically try to thread a needle with like such obvious and blatant contradictions, that must be frustrating. Um, however, um, 
Yeah. Uh, she was not too cool about it. There was like a lot of, uh, she was pretty vocal on Twitter about how shitty of a human being Bernie Sanders is at this time too. Uh, I was trying to look up tweets specifically. Um, I think she deleted a lot of stuff, but there was one guy that called Bernie Sanders a quote, fake fucking Jew. And Nira Tanda was like, happy birthday to him. <laughs> that guy? <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, was that was her response? I, I Wait, think? so that guy was like, man, Bernie Sanders, that dude ain't fucking, he's not a fucking real Jew. And then Nero Tan is like, happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like also, a psycho? The, so, that, like, she percolated that for, like, years. And when Bernie Sanders was obviously going to run in 2020, um, mm-hmm. same sort of shit. Uh, they put out uh, the article that became a huge talking point, especially from like Fox News, uh, that uh, Bernie Sanders is a millionaire now, so he needs to shut the fuck up about talking about income inequality. That kind of whole narrative definitely uh, came from the Center for American oh, Progress. Oh, in that weird Canada. shit where like he owns two houses and they show like his houses. Yeah, and he, like, they lives in like, like weird Fraggle Rock like, cabins and shit. <laughs> They're like, here are my houses, and they're like weird, like Yoda shacks from fucking Star Wars. He just lives in like mud huts. Also, <laughs> uh, that's not impressive either. Bernie Sanders is like, what, 90 years fucking old? He probably bought that <laughs> fucking cabin 50 years ago for a nickel and a, like a wish or something. <laughs> yeah, back when you get, you know, afford houses, and then they're like, yeah, it's two houses. <laughs> and then Bernie, when they asked him about being a millionaire, wasn't he like, I only became a millionaire after. Like I yeah, it like, was after he sold that book, and it was like barely. He was like one point zero six million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is a lot of money, obviously. But like, think of how much of that he actually like saved, though. None of it. He spent it all on Xbox One <laughs> Series S's. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm going to shove these up my asshole until <laughs> Joe Biden concedes to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, man. Give me an Xbox. Stop putting up your asshole, Jack. Give me an Xbox. They also put a big deal about Trump. Uh, not Trump. Bernie Sanders not releasing his tax returns. That was a story for like three weeks mm. back earlier on in this year, um, which Bernie Sanders did. He released 10 years of it. And they were like, "Why did you need?" Yeah. Well, they're like, like ah, more- ah, you are more poor than us." <laughs> <laughs> they released so, it to yeah. make fun of him for being a broke boy. <laughs> and then, so yeah, I, I mean, she's somebody that kind of advocated tangentially, somewhat for progressive policies. Sure. But was obviously became a political insider and came indebted to a political institution such as the Clintons, where she is pretty effective at kneecapping uh, progressive policies or left policies within the Democratic Party. The Center for American Progress and think tanks like that hold a lot of sway, obviously, because it's a think tank. So, like, Democratic establishment candidates and people like that pay 
the Center for American Progress to come up with fake studies and then point to those fake studies as proof that the um, shit's working. Yeah. Right. So in a lot of ways, she's like the propagandists of the right wing just for for fucking dumb libs. And unfortunately, she's boring. She's boring. She's not like an Alex Jones character. So that's why I spent most of the time talking about the Center for American Progress and not her specifically. Um, but she did at one point <laughs> make a tweet that I'd like to point out. Uh, Rashida Tlaib led a boo at Hillary Clinton's. Oh, yeah. Hillary Clinton's that. name was mentioned at a Bernie rally and Rashida yeah. Tlaib said boo. And about Rashida Tlaib saying boo, Nera Tandon said it was the ultimate example of white rage and privilege. <laughs> That's where I know this bitch from. It's from that tweet. Yep. Okay. What an insane... Yeah. Is so she she's blind? also, like, definitely the Center for American Progress in Nero Tandon. Like, I can't say specifically, like, with 100%, without 100%, like, beyond reasonable doubt that she's responsible for it, but definitely, like, in terms of, like, developing the Bernie bro narrative and, like, dismissing the concerns of the left... She played a huge fucking role in that, and about yeah. sexist um, accusations against Bernie and his campaign, even to the point, even anti-Semitic um, accusations, everything. That to me is the thing that's like insane about these people is that like they. I was listening to something where they were like laughing about. A Tim Kaine tweet. Tim Kaine, like, recently tweeted, like, for God's sake, please be civil and work with us Republicans. And it's like, you don't get to do that when your own shit, you're just, like, kneecapping, like, popular, can undermining them for fucking Joe Biden. And, like, you're doing it, like, in a shitty way. You're, like, accusing people of being, like, sexist creeps. And you're going, like, I don't feel comfortable around men who support Bernie Sanders, and you're just, like, lumping them into this, like, dangerous group. And yeah. it's like, yeah, so fuck you, dude. You don't get to complain about shit not being fair. You do it, but you just do it in, like, a way less, like, entertaining, batshit way than the Republicans, who are like, Antifa's gonna, like, force yeah, your kids they, to watch RuPaul's Drag Race. The Democrats like insiders weaponize identity politics in a way that's way less effective than how Republicans like, like our Republicans use identity politics to be like, you're white. Good. Let's go. <laughs> um, uh, Democrats weaponize identity Republic, uh, politics to like kneecapped people who are talking about, um, the working class yeah. as being somehow when you're talking about the working class, they have framed it in a way that you're being exclusionary towards, uh, people of color, LGBT, well, or that like, you're ignoring these things. It's that weird thing that case. lots of people have that they do it with Marxism too. The like Marxism is for white white men, like yeah. people well, that are yeah yeah. For the right, it's like Marxists are Jews. Yeah, and then for <laughs> and then for the Dems, it's like it's for white men. Like black people yeah. can't like Marxism. And it's like, well, tell it to fucking Huey P. Newton and fucking. Yeah. yeah. My favorite, my least favorite, I don't know if you guys have heard of this guy on Twitter, but he's called the Horse Whisperer. 
Oh yeah. He's my fucking least favorite. He somebody tweeted out something like um listing demands back in like twenty sixteen. It was like if you're not for Medicare for all, free education, uh livable wage, yada yada yada, basically going down all of Bernie Sanders' proposals. And the horse whisperer said, these are all specifically only targeted towards heterosexual cisgendered white men. I'm like, <laughs> no, that's the most racist thing you could possibly fucking say. If you were like, I don't see how uh, communities of color could benefit from healthcare. They don't ever think about healthcare. They don't ever think about higher education. They don't care about higher wages. Like, that's racist as shit. Like, that's right. But I don't get it because it seems like they weaponize identity. Like, whereas Republicans are weaponizing identity, obviously, to galvanize their base and get them out. The Democrats weaponize it in a way that I think obviously just suppresses. Like a, it doesn't like, appeal to anybody. Who the fuck does that appeal to? It's White like lady? an anger versus fear thing. Like, so, like, when you, if you listen to Tucker or any of those guys on any given night, like, it's all just trying to make people, like, furious. Like... It's all just like these very much like they're trying to take away your spot as like the top race in the world and also like chop your dicks off. So we're all ladies now. Doesn't that make you mad? Doesn't make you want to like, you know, buy a gun? And then they're like, yeah, fuck yeah, it does. Like because they feel threatened. Right. But Democrats seem like it's more like they use it as like a fear thing to make you fall in line. Like, oh, if you disagree with us, then you must hate ladies. Or... Oh, you must like not like black people because you said this thing that goes against our thing. Like, if you point out how like unhelpful and essentially Republican our policies are, then oh, I guess you just don't like helping black people, do you? And then people just like fall in line because they don't want to be called a racist. Yeah, I know that the term class reductionist got thrown around a lot, especially during Bernie Sanders' first campaign um which is something that i think does exist but not nearly to the extent it's weird that they frame liberals and democrats tend to frame when you're talking about worker solidarity they definitely throw in like as if if, when you're talking about worker solidarity you're talking about working class rights you're talking about they they have framed it in a way where that is like oh you're only talking about white people mm-hmm. you're not talking yeah, about just like which is like an old tactic that's been used time and time again as far as like worker rights and labor unionization stuff like that because at, at some point there like back in the day you know there were unions that were exclusionary towards you know different races but it's like we have to move past that and you have to organize with, you know, the working class who is now uh, very much not just uh, white people. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, and we uh, also have to not, like, I think that the reason, obviously, the Democratic Party spends a lot of time on identity politics is because that they know that it's polarizing. And obviously, they're hypocritical. I mean, they run candidates like Hillary Clinton who called super predators and Joe Biden, who crafted a crime bill that put, uh, dude, just right now, like, uh, I know democracy now is talking about how, uh, 
Joe Biden is like putting someone on his team that uh, was like came up with like family separation and shit. Like he loves just, it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 all a re it's it's a bad faith argument. Whenever these people talk about race, whenever they talk about these issues, it's a bad faith argument meant to undermine the like just I think natural solidarity that comes between people who are getting fucked and, by yeah. our capitalist system. Did they already trying to like fucking discredit BLM basically? Like oh, yeah. the whole the whole defund thing. Got the nomination, yeah. Yeah, the whole defund like everyone talking about like the problem with the slogan defund the police is like that's all clearly just fucking just saying, oh yeah, we're vulnerable to conservative like talking points. It's like, okay, you identified a, a fucking problem with your stupid party because y'all don't like y'all don't represent the people you claim to represent. So yeah, I'm sorry, this might be off topic, but so when someone says the problem with defund the messaging or defund defund the police. The problem is with the messaging. What they mean is like, it's like that weird argument with like theory where it's like, oh, you might have read that, but you don't understand what it's saying. And then they just reframe it as their thing, right? Which is um, police reform. Reform, yeah. Right. So that's what they're doing is being like, oh, no, defund the police. That's just bad messaging because what they mean is this. And it's like, no, I mean the thing that I said. Like, I mean, yeah. the thing. it's not bad messaging. It's just like messaging you don't like. Right. That's yeah. what they mean by that. It's like it, it plays in the streets like for well, a lot of people. So these people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Too. And establishment like politicians and Democrats have done a shit poor message of explaining it because there's a bunch of fucking people that think to fund the police means that money's just sitting there. Not yeah. going towards any other things. Like obviously, it means we're defunding the police department and spending that money and appropriating it for different areas to help specifically communities that have been uh, brutalized by the by the police. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was pissed off uh, because when Trump obviously lost the campaign, even though you know who knows, still <laughs> go either way. I think, um, <laughs> I, but when I think Biden won, I was like, okay, like I can have a day where I'm like, at least Trump's not going to be president. I was like, and then like within an hour, it was like, Democrats are blaming the progressives. Uh, they're blaming to fund the police. They're blaming Black Lives Matter. I was like, you know what? You fucking took this. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously well, a smaller that's thing. That's what's but funny. I was like, is... I must be happy for like one fucking minute. Like Trump's not going to be president. No. No, I couldn't even do that. Like, it's all fucked. That's what's crazy about, like, them, like, immediately, like, shitting on, like, the left. They're like, well, you're the reason we didn't win by, like, as much as we should have. And then, when you had the Lincoln Project right there, whose literal, like, stated goal was, like, we're going to convert more Republicans to, like, anti-Trump people. But when you look at, like, the polls, more Republicans voted for Trump. Yeah. So it's like your stated goal, you fucking failed. Like they blatantly failed the one thing. They took money that could have went to like candidates that needed it. 
to run to just fucking hire fuck Jerry to like make memes for them. You gave them hundreds of millions of dollars and they hire like the guys who stole memes and fucking also took part in the weird Ja Rule Fire Island thing. <laughs> That's who the fuck Jerry guys are. They got yeah. the fuck Jerry guys to help. It's like you just get two like grifters together and then you're like, whoops, that didn't work. Let's blame <laughs> let's blame progressives. And it's like, you people are uh you people are bad at this because now you're just going to turn everyone against you. And it's going to get worse for Biden. This is not going to be – they're going to get everything Biden proposes like blocked. It's going to – nothing's going to get done. The pandemic's still getting fucking worse. Like people are going to be angrier and then in four years a, co- a more competent fascist will come in. And then it will be like – I don't know. Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris running and – the left's going to be like, fuck you. We don't know. We're not doing this again. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I don't know. I've been thinking about this and I think the left just needs to like, uh, just fucking focus on like, like, I don't know, more municipal and like state legislature like type shit, because like, that's where like the Republicans actually have like just this stronghold, like grip on this fucking country. And it's like, Look, I don't. I don't know the Democrats like the presidential race. Like, I hope a leftist doesn't run for like a long time, and like it's just like about organizing and like building up to like when you can actually have a real like working class. Like the thing that Bernie was trying to build. It's like you can't build that by like just having an app and like you know having a good message and being like a cool old guy. Like it's not like it's not enough. It just but, isn't. But what a cool old guy. He, yeah. Like, you, you can't do cool. basketball and shit. Like, yeah, yeah he's fun. Uh, you can't, like, get the youth to buy into, you know, socialism or communism by just making, like, some, like, teenager, like, do, do like, a Fortnite dance where the, <laughs> the beat the YMCA is playing and someone just reading Das Capital over it. That won't work. I think <laughs> it might work. Let's try it. That's going to be our podcast TikTok. I think that, like, yeah, obviously coalition building and obviously building this movement is going to, is something that takes a lot of time. The only caveat to that is that, like, there's the expediency at which things need to happen in terms of climate change and the, like, inevitable crises that will come from that. I That's like, why I get aggravated that, like, obviously incrementalism does not the answer. And I even get mad at Bernie yeah. Sanders. It's like, raise your fucking voice, be aggressive. Like, we need some, like, 35-year-old millennial that's being like, no, they stole your fucking future from you. Like, we need to end this now. And we need to, like, obviously, you know, easier said than done. But, yeah. I mean, I and I, I don't know. Like, Austin was able to fucking defund their police department. LA County did it like it's hard like it's definitely not easy like Austin already had like a DA running who is like um left I think he's like a DSA endorsed candidate or something like that um and then like Kassar in city council so I don't know like that made such a difference like 
I know here in San Antonio, like some activists are trying to close the fucking like spruce coal plant. Like that's like a local like climate change like initiative. Like I don't know how much of that like is going on around the country, but like we need more of that. Like Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause near Tandon is gonna destroy all of us. She's the god empress of chaos. What's, yeah. worse, what's worse about uh, grifters like her, like fucking weird people, is like, like they they obviously know better. They're not insane like Alex Jones, but you also they also get like way less out of it. Donald Trump was a grifter, and he like got millions and like became president. She's yeah. a grifter, and she's like most people don't know your name. You're kind of there, but not really. But the richer shit, they just made their money and operate from the shadows kind of yeah i mean it's like it's she, it's like she she helps make the democratic party a controlled opposition the hashtag resistance was a joke the uh democratic party is a controlled opposition party that doesn't really i mean in that sense if her goals are ultimately the same as their uh, those people's goals are ultimately the same as the republican party then she's doing a good job yeah, I mean, but she keeps losing elections. So it's like, yeah, she, uh, I mean, that's gotta be embarrassing. Yeah, it's yeah, like she you're kind not of fucked that, up and attached like, herself to uh, that uh, kind of bum, to her... a bum candidate. She has a bum wagon. She hitched her horse to is the Clinton <laughs> wagon, who just is like the most hated. How fucking embarrassing is that, too? Joe Biden, who like was having a hard time talking. Yeah, like, beat Donald Trump, and like Hillary Clinton's like I. Formed coherent thoughts. Like, yeah, but people didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, people just didn't like you so much. That was like yeah, a thing. Even people actively went out to vote against Hillary Clinton. Like, no one was like, I'm going to fucking vote against Joe Biden. They were like, I don't know. Who gives a shit? This guy bleeds from his eyeballs. I don't. Fuck you. <laughs> but Hillary Clinton, people were like, I'm going to vote for Trump because I hate you so much. How do you get. How do you, like, let that person run for president? The person well, who's like, I, mean, I hate you so some, much, I'm voting for the guy who can't read books. Yeah, I mean, yes, but, like, some of that is, you know, like, blatant sexism. No. Like, if we're talking about, you know, in, like, <laughs> it is. No, it now. is. It's a thing. It exists. Sexism but... isn't real. It's a myth. Created by Hillary Clinton <laughs> to cover up her losses. <laughs> um yeah no i i mean it's there that's obviously a hurdle but like you know obama was the first black president like you know these things are like you can you know catch lightning in a bottle like obama was certainly lightning in a bottle as far as like a candidate just lied and pretended to be progressive Here's where that argument yeah, falls apart. But Hillary is not that, is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, here's Hillary's where that unlikable falls and... apart, though. Um, you get, like, obviously sexism played a part in her uh, role in not winning. And obviously there was, like, news stories that were, like, bullshit. But, like, right. are you going to say that sexism against a white lady was more powerful than racism against, like, a black, a black oh. man? Oh, yeah, no, certainly no. not. No, if Hillary yeah. Clinton was, like, I don't know likable even in the least like uh she she should have won 
I mean, she yeah. did win, but obviously, you know, you know what I mean. Remember when she yeah. said Pokemon go to the polls? Yeah, that yeah. was why she <laughs> No, dude, that, that fucking rocked. I was not going to vote for her, and then she said that, and I was like, fuck yeah, let's do this. She should have done that more. You heard it here first. <laughs> that's, that's the takeaway. All right. Well, thanks for listening to uh, this uh, Hubie Halloween retrospective <laughs> slash near Tandon episode. Uh, and this one kind of went off the rails a little bit. I think it's good. But uh, yeah, there's interesting I learning like about this uh, maniac. <laughs> She's not as like outright crazy as the other people, but uh, probably did actually more damage than like fucking Rush Limbaugh doodling his pants and dying of throat cancer. <laughs> or like You're Glenn, here first, or like Glenn, well, Glenn Beck did a lot of damage. That guy was a piece of shit, but I feel like Nira Tandon did uh, more political damage than a lot of these talk radio people. And um, yeah, look forward to her. Being an integral part of the uh, Democratic Party, along with Robbie Mook, for years to come, <laughs> it's going to be good. We're gonna we're, we're gonna win a lot, and we're gonna vote fascism out every year with our cast of Mr. Bean. Um, you say our pastor, Mr. Bean. Our cast of no, I said our cast of Mr. Bean um, employees, just running our think tanks and running <laughs> our funding. It's good. It's going to be good. I think the Democrats have finally figured it out. Um, yeah. So until next time, goodbye for ever. Goodbye.